So our biggest risk is that, yes, we can try to do something, like build the models, build the right solutions. But if we cannot actually achieve to provide a higher credibility or you know provide a higher integrity of the projects, then this is a big risk that we are basically are not changing the game here, right? So it's really pure solution risk. The market is there. The problem is there. The question is that can we, with the limited resources that we have, create a solutions that can be used and also have a quick or fast go-to-market cycle and help this project? Alberto here. And this is The Pitch. The Pitch is a weekly show where I interview founders from early-stage startups to analyze their businesses. We will cover the problem, solution, potential market size, team, and more. Since in my day-to-day I lead business development at Atom, a startup making buying and retiring carbon credits simple and transparent, I decided to dedicate this season to carbon startups. Join me in this journey, learning what founders are building to fight climate change. Today's guest is Nora Lingui, the co-founder of Pleno. Before founding Pleno, Nora worked in sustainability at Celonis and Westwick, and in project management at Zalando. He studied management and has an MBA from BAU. We met almost three years ago when I was wrapping my head around how to create a sustainability strategy. Since then, we stayed in touch and now he's building Pleno with his childhood friend, Nino. Let's go on this elevator ride. Hi, Nora. Welcome to the pod. It's a pleasure to have you on. Hi, hi, Alberto. Good to see you again and happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Super excited to learn more about what you're building. So I always like to kick it off the same way. Uh, and it is, could you give me a two sentences pitch or let's say a, a minute pitch of what you're building over at Pleno? Yeah, great. Amazing. Maybe it's a very high level introduction. So um, I'm currently building Pleno. So what is Pleno? Pleno is a digital platform that simplifies the carbon credit creation process. So we really have to tackle the main uh, problem in the carbon market, which is the complexity for projects to create carbon credits. Happy to explain a bit more, but in a very high level, um, that will be the um, answer to that. Yeah, sure. To understand quickly, like uh, how is how is that difficult? Uh, why is it difficult to create a carbon credit? Good questions. Maybe, maybe actually a question to you, Alberto. I mean, now we're both in Germany. So one question. Have you done any tax return in Germany before? Any any tax? Yes, tax return. You know, when you can get money back from the tax mm-hmm. agency. Y- yes, yes, uh, I did a couple. Yeah, was quite a smooth process uh, with uh, with the tools out there. With the tools out there, right? I think you you have the the keywords there. So um, there is a lot of like solutions also in the tax return process. You know, software like TaxFix and so on, it really helps user to simplify the whole process, right? Before that, I, I remember my experience is like, wow, it's a pain in the ass, right? You have to do so many um, reporting, documentations, and so on. So this is actually the same problem also for carbon projects. So for projects to get audited or certified, if you call it like that, it requires a lot of different steps. So we would like to be a platform that streamlines end-to-end process. So I like to call it, for example, tax fix for the carbon market. Amazing. Yeah, that that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I have to say I had to do taxes in Italy uh, before uh, when there wasn't uh, tax fix. Now there is in Italy as well. 
And, and yeah, you always had to pay for someone that uh, takes time and it's quite expensive and only few people actually use it. And so few people get their money back. And I came to Germany and people were like, you need to file your tax return. You're going to get money back. I was like, oh no. I mean, I don't want to like get through the, the stress of that. And then they show me tax, tax fix. And I was like, wow. Okay. That's great. So quite relatable. And I think uh, understandable what you're trying to solve. Um, amazing. So yeah, we already cover the, the problem. Uh, I would love to learn uh, about the solution you're building. But before that, how did you decide to focus on this problem? How did you come to this solution? Because a lot of our listeners are wannabe founders. Uh, I'm quite sure about that. And uh, sometimes they say, how do these people wake up and say, oh, I'm going to build this. I'm going to solve this problem. What was your aha moment? Yeah, good question. I, I think as many of the startup stories as well, there is very rare to have this aha moment, right? I don't wake up with uh, the solutions. But just a bit of background. So I've been working in the sustainability field for, for many years. Um, so we've been also exposed to the carbon markets directly or indirectly. And I think what really changed is that I've been diving deep into um, the carbon markets in the last two years, especially uh, what interests me a lot is how blockchain or Web3 can actually be the potential solutions of the market, right? So I did a whole, let's say, a rabbit hole, diving deep into like the problems and actually learning that there are so many challenges, but also opportunities. So based on that, the, you know, the things that really excites me a lot is that there are so many players coming in. You see so many startups in the climate tech sector, but also there's a lot of like funding going on um, from investors, but also for companies, because this is a problem that needs to be uh, tackled at a large scale, right? We have the Paris uh, climate uh, target, but also a lot of corporates have their own targets as well. So it's a very, very interesting problem. So I'll start with the problem and then, you know, uh, we find a solution slowly. That's, that's how it started. What's the, what's the solution you came up with? How does your product look like or, and how it's going to look like in the future? Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with the high level of the problem again, the problem that we try to solve. So there are three main problems. Um, that we're trying to solve, especially in the supply part of the carbon market. So if you imagine this is the projects on the ground, for example, forestry projects that are doing, um, you know, planting trees and also try to get them certified. So the first problem, it's low, right? So based on many research is that for a project from setup until to get certified, it takes up to two years due to registrations, many manual methods and so on. But second also, the biggest problem is that it's expensive, right? There are, if you look into the market right now, there are a lot of consultancies, but also experts that are usually supporting this project. So it's quite expensive for projects to get certified. And the third and most important point as well is integrity. So if you have read like in the last couple of months or years, especially of the problems with the nature-based projects, overestimations, lack of accuracy as well, so this is what is, um, you know, the, the third biggest problem. Yeah, so basically, these are the three main problems. Um, but what is our solution? So I'll start with the big vision. So our vision is to digitize the process with two main technologies. One is machine learning and second is blockchain. And how are the solution solve this also with three main features, so to say. First is mapping features. So we help projects to how to easily gather data, geo geospatial or satellite data that they can locate and also take various data sources of the project 
And second, we're also developing an automation um, for calculating the carbon stocks of that project. Right. So have you seen many solutions in the market to calculate emissions of corporate emissions? Right. So we're doing this for carbon projects. And last but not least, we're also developing then the reporting or automated for projects to create reports that they can use to audit and also get the projects certified. So in, a, in the short set, our solution is end-to-end um, tools or platform for the carbon projects. So right now, uh, how does it look? And how do you see that evolving? Because you're building, it's a recent company, right? So I assume that it's not full-fledged yet. So how does the current product look and how do you think it's going to look in a year, six months, up to you, the timeline? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, we are we are just starting, right? We are very, very early in our journey. So what we really focus is that we really validate what are the biggest problems that needs to be solved right now. What does it mean? That we learn a lot. So I've been talking to more than 200 carbon projects and also experts in the field and we learned that there are two main problems. One is that a project to be set up or in the industry, it's called P-visibility. So they have to do studies um, before they get investments or before they set up. And the second problem is also trying to do this called project design, right? Basically, you're, you're going to all, to basically do the, all the process to get certified. And it's a hard, cold problem, right? If they cannot do the project setup, they cannot be funded to actually do so now our solutions in the next three months, for example, we're really uh, targeting to solve the first problem, which is developing what we call a rapid assessment tool, which helps carbon projects to have a very quick and also easy way to assess if their projects is feasible. And if yes, what are like the expected carbons and what are the expected um, benefits that they can get, which is useful that for investments and also to set up their project. So. Going back to your answers, to your questions before, so in three months, we will do um, our MVP launch for this rapid assessment tool. In six months, we will do a fully launch. And in a year from now, we will basically targeting the whole end-to-end process, as I mentioned before. That makes sense. And so you mentioned you spoke with a lot of project developers. Um, who are your early adopters uh, specifically? And kind of how do you define them? How do you know, like... Oh, my product is a fit for this project developer, not for this yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'll start with who are not our early adopters, let's say. So I've talked to many people who has, I don't know, 10 years, even 20 years of experience. They know everything inside out, right? They, they trust their judgment. They use their experiences. So these people have been in the industry for so long. So they, they don't really are open, let's say, for new inno- innovations and also new technologies, right? But on the other hand, as you see, there are a lot of demands in the carbon market, meaning that also a lot of new projects coming in, a lot of startups as well, setting up projects. They, they have a land, for example, they would like to do something. And they are also open for new technologies. So these are our um, main target customers. And these are also our early adopters that we have seen. So in now we have three pilot projects going on. Um, all of them are in Indonesia because, um, again, I'm originally from Indonesia, so I have a bit of network there already. And these are mostly mangrove projects because we are targeting a, the blue carbon market. And also it's quite, let's say, quite complex to assess a mangrove project. So 
this is uh, currently our sweet spot in the market. That sounds smart. Uh, leveraging your network, I guess, uh, starting on uh, having a connection there makes it way easier than just starting out of nothing. It's already hard enough to build the company itself, right? Um, amazing. And how do you plan to then get more? So if I understood correctly, your customers are going to be the project developers. Uh, they are the one who pay for the tool. Uh, how are you going to uh, mm-hmm. find more? Like, how do you, do you think it's going to be your approach? Yeah, I think in any use cases or any um, startups that are, you know, developing something, we really need to get several success stories. So this is what we're working on right now with our pilot projects. But what we see is that the huge potentials of network effects. What do I mean by that is that once a project is already successful, a lot of the project developers also have other projects going on, right? So we can also support them in many of these projects. But not just that. So in the market, maybe you have the, also know what is going on in the market is that there are other stakeholders as well. For example, consultants who support this project or also auditors or these verification bodies that are actually doing the verifications and also the registry, right? So our strategy is a bottom-up strategy. We would like to get the projects onboarding our platform, and then we are engaging the auditors. I'm already talking to some auditors which are quite open to, to be uh, involved with us once we have some projects. But also the goal is that we then engage the registries, right? So the big carbon registries, but also the newer um, and specialized registries that they can also tap in into our platform directly. So this creates the, the network effect, um, which is then helpful for the projects, the auditors, and also the registries. And do you think your approach is going to be geography by geography or you're going to like now the test is Indonesia, but you're going to go global soon. And then like, doesn't matter where you are, you could acquire this project developers. Yes. A good point as well. So our focus is more of a theoretical focus. So we really would like to test and start with mangroves. And, um, yeah, fortunately mangrove or a lot of these mangrove projects are based in Indonesia. So it's just a, a perfect location to start. But then for us, you know, a mangrove project are maybe only different in several parameters. So I'm also engaging other projects with uh, various, um, you know, mangrove projects as well. For example, in Bangladesh, in India, and also several in Africa as well. But we are quite agnostic in terms of the geographies because we are a pure software solutions and um, we are able to serve any projects globally. And... Uh, looking at the business model, so uh, is it going to be a normal uh, SaaS uh, you plan to charge by project and will it always be the project developers paying or what's going to happen in the future? Yeah, I mean, we are still validating the business model, right? So um, the current business model is a SaaS subscription. So a yearly subscriptions with t-shirt size pricing, small, medium and large, depending on the number of the projects. But we're also looking or um, exploring as well of a um, enterprise subscription model for big corporates or buyers that are also doing their projects or in setting, right? Setting up their own projects. But there is also a third um, risk model that we are exploring as well is to get commissions out of the credits of these projects. So I, I can't really tell you which one works and which one not because we're still very early, but we are looking towards more of a subscription business model. And shifting a bit the gears and talking about the overall market, we spoke a lot about your specifics, what you're building. Uh, how big is this market and like what 
part of it is yours, right? Because uh, the carbon credits market is huge, uh, but you serve a certain like piece of it. Like, what is that piece, and how big is it? Yeah, maybe you've heard a lot about um, you know people are throwing out these numbers from McKinsey, for example. You know, it's gonna be fifty billion in twenty thirty. It's gonna be couple of hundred billion in the next uh, 30, 40 years. But for us is that the amount currently in this voluntary carbon market, the blue carbon or mangrove that we're targeting is still quite small, right? For example, in one of the biggest registry, Vera, I think based on what I look, it's not more than 10 or um, 12 projects currently registered in that registries, but there are a lot of projects coming up. Why? Because um, mangroves especially have uh, higher um, basically uh, values in the market because it absorbs more emissions than tropical forests and also is important as well for the livelihood of the social communities. What do I mean by that? So a lot of the projects that we are actually engaging is not purely for the voluntary carbon markets. So what is interesting is that a lot of projects or NGOs, they are actually receiving grants, right? So these grants are coming from international development agencies, for example, they, they don't need to sell credit. But they just need to prove basically the result. And one of the results is carbon emissions, of course. But also what we learned as well, there are a lot of projects that are funded by CSR activities of companies. Probably you've seen, you know, many companies are planting trees and especially in um, the region, in tropical regions, also planting a lot of mangroves. So they also want something as a return, right? It does not to be certified, but it has also, you know, have some integrity at least, and this is what we're targeting. And going back to your que uh, questions before, that um, the numbers are quite small right now. It's not the total 50 billion, but we are really aiming on the small segment and then try to get a monopoly of this um, the market, first of all. Mm -hmm. And do you have you read something or do you have a feeling of like how much this portion could grow and you think that mangroves is going to become as, as big as Red Plus, uh, now for the listeners that are maybe not familiar with the <laughs> concept, maybe they read about it. It's now the one of the main uh, nature-based solution standards, even if it comes under fire for several reasons. But uh, do you have any feeling of like how big mangroves will become? Is it? Yeah. How big it will become, it, it's hard to say, right? At least from um, basically our assumptions. We see that the growth, I mean, year-to-year -year growth are, are quite high of mangrove projects getting, um, not just getting registered, but also getting set up. But what we would like to focus on is that we, in the long term, would like to tackle um, all of the uh, nature-based solutions as well, right? So you mentioned forest trees, other types as well. So this is also our goal. But for now, our testing ground is mangrove because it's still quite small. But once we are able to solve this problem, we also will be tackling forestry projects, for example, but also other uh, types of projects as well. Mm -hmm. And to better understand this, like um, then comparing nature to other type of uh, carbon credits, so uh, uh, mm -hmm. technology, if it comes to mind, or renewable, uh, right on the both end of the spectrum, where technology, where uh, renewable is the cheapest option, and like uh, where technology is the most expensive one. Um, how do you see nature developing in the future? And you think it's going to be like representing most of the credits uh, or uh, technology and renewable uh, are going to take the stage? Good question. I think this is uh, the question that everyone is asking as well in the market as you know it. 
But I think if we, if we go back to how it all started, right? Because, you know, the carbon market started basically to invest in um, basically a, a solutions to absorb um, emissions, but not just that, right? It's also to protect nature, protect livelihood, to make sure that this um, specific areas or locations are not basically transformed or being industrialized, for example. So in my own assumptions, yes, there are a lot of growth of a um, engineering uh, project, for example, carbon removal and so on. But I always like to go back to the first principle, which is that, you know, nature is, you know, there's so many things that we don't know about nature, right? We are just like scratching the surface here. Yes, um, there's a lot of like scandals. There's a lot of like um, critics as well, how the market has been developing in the last years. But in the long term, it's also safe to say is that we still need to understand a lot and still investing in nature projects because they, you know, the earth are basically our biggest uh, chance to fight global warming or basically to adapt to global warming. And what for me personally as well is that coming from a region of Indonesia is that it's not just for the environment. It's also for the people, right? A lot of like, for example, uh, we're seeing forests being trans transformed into palm oil or also in mangrove area that local communities are also now facing floods. So if we invest in this project, we also can make sure that this people or this indigenous people in the community can also have a livelihood, which is also very, very important um, for me personally. That's it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a great way to look at it because people sometimes they just go back to the headline number and they think removing CO2, how you remove it doesn't matter. But uh, we talk about nature, so the side effects of what you do are quite relevant. It's not like a, uh, an easy game to design and like to be sure what happens when something, when you like affect a part of the system. So say, okay, I'm going to suck out all the CO2 from the atmosphere. Uh, yes, but nature has other pros. So yeah, I think it's, it's a really good point and something that people should reflect on. And of course, this also brings us to like the difficulty of measuring nature because we don't know exactly how it works always. So some of these methodologies turn out not to be as effective as we thought because we couldn't know until we tried, right? And there are some methodologies that were certain and some that are less, uh, but that doesn't mean like we should teach nature. Uh, I think it's a, it's a really good point. And it's a bit worrisome for me that now a lot of the idea of quality goes only in engineering solution and people are like, oh, I know it's like high quality credits because I'm using a machine to suck it out of the air. And I was like, yes, but there are so many quality projects that are nature-based. So uh, definitely agree on that. Um, talking about back to your company and uh, to the traction you're having, like uh, I think for any startup uh, at the early stage, understanding whether they're going direct direction, it's essential for them, but it's also essential for investors. How do you measure that with something that is not as easy as saying, okay, I'll just like put on a fake website online and say, okay, 10 people sign up. That's my traction. Like, how do you measure traction and what's the number you look at to be like, okay, that's great. We are going in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely, of course, as you mentioned, right? One of the KPI that we're tracking is the waiting list. So we have waiting list of um, early access to our platform, which will actually be launched in September. So this now we have around more than um, 40 uh, projects registered for the early waiting list. But not just that, let's say our 
main KPI is also the projects that we are already working with. So we have three pilot projects. I think I mentioned a bit before, and we have five more in the pipeline. This is very important for us because not just for the business point of view, but this is to validate the solution, right? So we're working closely with them, testing the solutions, iterating, getting that feedback as well. So our biggest um, traction right now is with the pilot projects that we are working. You can call it closed beta testing. And this would be um, our testing ground before we launch um, basically the, the general access. And looking at uh, competition, uh, how does the market look? Uh, basically, is there someone doing exactly what you do? And what? how did the market work before Planner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll start with the market before uh, Planner or how was it um, being done before? So these are, I call them the indirect competitors, right? So previously, all of these projects that helping um, or basically all how the projects are getting certified is that they got support with consultancies. So you know, the, the biggest in the world, kind of the South Pole, climate partners of the world, they are, let's say, the one that are helping this project. So I see them as the indirect competitors because they have the expertise, they have the knowledge as well. But as you know, um, now there's a lot of like new players in the market. So really more technology-based like what we are building. And in the general market sense, it's also called the MRV platform. So measuring or monitoring, reporting and verification platform. So these are software solutions that help the projects basically to to monitors and also uh, get the project certified. And in terms of direct competitors, there are um, I've been uh, watching also one companies in the UK called Revalue Nature, quite similar to us. I mean, they've been um, in the market already for a couple of years, developing an end-to-end creation as well, but also other very specific um, projects. Right, right. For example, in the blockchain world, Open Force Protocol. Probably you've heard about it as well. They are really changing the game, right? How, you know, certification or how carbon credit creation has been made. So could also be a competitor for us, but also other MRV solution, climate check, um, for example, with IOTA and, um, yeah, various other types of MRV platform as well. So yeah, uh, it's quite an interesting market. And I even believe that there are more and more competitors or companies are building in this market as well. Is it? And, in your view, what makes you different from them? Yeah. I like to go back to my analogy before of a tax return. So I've tried like uh, looking into like these various solution in the market as well. And I still find some challenges myself, right? How to do it, basically even like the language that's being used. So we really would like to simplify the whole process, meaning that everyone or basically Anyone that would like to do a project, they can do it with Plano platform. And I have a real example of this. I was just having a, a call several days ago with an NGO based in Bangladesh that have huge amounts of mangrove. They know what they're doing in terms of the conservations, but they don't have any clue about you know how to get into the carbon market. They, they got offered from various uh, solutions, but it's still very complicated, right? So our biggest value proposition is the simplification part. How can we onboard users fast, use our platform, and also get the results that they wanted? And how do you think your team is the right team to build this solution? Hmm, yeah, also a question probably everyone say that they are the, the right team to build the solution. Uh, but at least for us is that uh, I can start with our founding team. So I have a um, 
experience in sustainability field uh, that I've mentioned before are working on several uh, different companies, both in Asia, but also now in Germany. So we are based in Berlin. And luckily, my co-founder, or actually my best friend, is half German, half Indonesian. We've known each other since more than 20 years now uh, from primary school back then. And he is a um, software engineer with background in machine learning. So with this combination, this is that, let's say, I always say that I brought the problem and he brought the technical solution. So we are... Um, Destins are basically creating a good combination uh, to bring this into the market. But we are also now um, basically developing our team, hiring carbon experts and also the machine learning experts as well to create a scalable solutions that can be used for any projects in the world. Mm -hmm. So you have the team, you found the problem and you're building the solution. Um, but for every startups, there are risks and challenges ahead. Uh, in your view, what are the main challenges you are going to face a uh, few years from now? Yeah, what are the biggest risks? I think maybe a, a different different kind of risk specific to our problems, right? As you mentioned before very well, Alberto, like, especially in the carbon market nature and, and in nature-based solutions, there are a lot of like unknown unknowns, right? So our biggest risk is that, yes, we can try to do something, like build the models, build the right solutions, but if we cannot actually achieve to provide a higher credibility or you know provide a higher integrity of the projects, then this is a big risk that we are basically are not changing the game here, right? So it's really pure solution risk. The market is there, the problem is there. The question is that can we, with the limited resources that we have, create a solutions that can be used and also have a quick our fast go-to-market cycle and help this project because the, the the pain point that they have is quite um you know it's quite urgent people are setting up projects they are would like to get certified and our biggest risk is that can we create the solution as soon as possible but also improve the level of quality of this project if that makes sense yeah yeah it does and are there any risks specific to the vcm that what do you, um, like a lot of people say, okay, the, the VCM is temporary, it's going to end, despite the statistics that say otherwise. Is that something you have in mind? Like in one year, uh, we say, yeah, the VCM doesn't exist anymore, everything is mandatory, uh, that's it. Would that be an issue? Is that something you think about? Yes and no. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take um, an example again, how I initially learned about the carbon market, right? So I did my bachelor's studies at that time in Australia, uh, working on or studying on sustainability. That was like in um, 2008, 2009, you know, this is where the initial kind of like carbon market is booming. The so-called carbon cowboys This, you know, uh, people are doing many, many crazy things going on. And with that is, of course, a lot of improvement in the last 15 years. And I believe in this, I think it was from Nassim Taleb, um, in the book Black Swan, he mentioned um, the term Lindy, right? The longer something is there, the longer as well it will be in the future, right? So I've seen this, especially in the carbon market. Like the, the more critics, uh, basically, the more failures that we have, the stronger uh, the concept is, and it's more acceptable as well. So what does it mean in the long term is that, yes, there will be up and downs, as you see right now. I mean, you've also active in the market that is not, the best time for the market, but this is actually the perfect time to build. 
and with all the, not just the targets that countries and companies are setting up, but with the growth of, you know, environmental deteriorations that we've seen, there are more investment that is needed, right? Either in faulty carbon market, either in the monetary carbon market, or basically direct grant or investment that I mentioned before, a solution like us would still be or will be very valid in the future because, you know, there are things that, that needs to be protected, need to be restored. And we are the players that help um, basically to provide confidence on what these projects are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's something I reflect on as well. Uh, like, right, as I said, I'm in this space too. And sometimes I'm like, okay, this is going to end. It seems it's crashing down. But yeah, up and down some are part of the evolution process of, of industries and sectors. So that, that, that's, that's a good way to see it. Um, amazing. I have the last question here. Uh, and it is about, uh, your funding situation. Have you already raised? Are you looking to, to raise it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, uh, recently raised, um, our initiation round from the blockchain funders group. So this is an incubation program focusing on web three use cases. I haven't really mentioned a lot about the blockchain in this podcast, but um, we are also planning to uh, basically store the data that we have in the platform on chain to improve transparency. This is why then we uh, decided to have our first uh, funding from the blockchain founders group. And we are planning now based on the product roadmap to launch in the next six months and also raise our pre-seed funding early next year in February and March. Amazing. Uh, then uh, I'm sure some investors will listen to this podcast to, to get some insights uh, and be quite excited about what you're building uh, as much as I am. Uh, it's great. Uh, these were all my questions. Um, yeah, thank you very much for taking the time and I'm looking forward to connect again and be up to date on what you're building over there. Definitely. No, thanks for, for making the time, Alberto, and thanks everyone for listening. That was a great ride. Through his experience with Carbon Market, Nora identified the need to help projects issue credits. Pleno aims to fully digitize validation using technologies like AI to rapidly assess projects. Pilots in Indonesia are refining the tools with over 40 projects waitlisted showing demand. As more companies and countries are setting ambitious climate goals, demand for credits will grow, and nature-based ones are an essential piece of the puzzle. But validation limits the amount of credits it in the market. If players succeed in streamlining the complex process, they can transform carbon markets by opening access and growing the pipeline of valid nature-based credits globally. They will soon raise funding to keep building their product and deliver on their ambitious vision. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and see you on the next Elevator Ride.